This is Bariatric Stories. Hi everyone, this is Rinda and welcome back to another episode as we continue to go over the psychological pre-surgical assessment, uh, self-assessment, and there's going to be a lot more to this assessment. If you haven't already done so, there is a link for the assessment in the description of the podcast and you can open it up and follow along as I'm going to go on to page eight and start from the bottom of it. Uh, There's going to be a lot more to this assessment after I'm done and you can go ahead and go over it at your leisure. I'm going to be wrapping up this assessment in this episode as I have a couple of interviews coming down the road. Actually, there is going to be an episode uh, with an interview I have coming up in the next couple of weeks. So I'm very excited about that. Right now, I'm just going to do what I usually do and just get caught up for just a brief moment. So this is now, where are we? October 2021. And a little happy and slightly proud of myself in uploading episodes throughout the year, considering my track record has, uh, since I started in 2018, I believe was about one episode a year. Either it was because I was busy or just lazy. I'm just going to be straight up about it. But I do believe in 2021, I have a couple of episodes under my sleeve and I'm just happy that I have done this much and it is an accomplishment considering my track record. I do have an interview in the coming weeks and it will be uploaded very, very soon. On another note, I have been working remotely. I have gone through a remote work type of training that was offered through the state in partnership with Instant Teams, kind of like Instant Coffee, but it's Instant Teams. Uh, not getting any money out of this. I'm just giving them my own personal props. You can look them up or just Google them on Instant Teams. And uh, you can learn about their program, the company and the mission and just, you know, working with military spouses and single parents, especially with military spouses when you're constantly moving and being relocated and trying to find work at the same time. So I'm, I truly am happy to have been connected with such an amazing team and group of people. And I am looking forward to doing more remote work with them on top of getting more episodes and content out on this podcast. On the other note, also, I am very proud of my boyfriend. He has lost a good deal of weight in the past four months in his new job. It's not a labor job, but he moves around a lot to a point that he sometimes is so busy and he won't even have time to sit down and just eat, you know, and relax just a bit. I've been making his home lunch from day one. So, you know, I try to fill up that lunch bag with other than his sandwiches or wraps. I change it up every single day. Uh, fruit, trail mix, yogurt, some something to keep him moving throughout the day. And he just grab and go on the run. You know, I noticed that when he stress out at work and he forgets to eat, so he'll get home and then he'll just binge because he's so hungry and then he's just gonna go to bed right after that so not a healthy thing to do but he has a lot of energy he's pretty happy about that and he has a long list of medications which in the past four to five months that he's been working he was taken off of 
two of his medications and I'd like to slowly be able to knock the rest of the other medications off of that list and you know less is good and his body needs a break from everything he's been taking over the years so he's pretty excited about that and also before he started working he was just put on the CPAP and not too long after that it's like it was becoming more of a pain in the butt for him and he has been sleeping a lot better since so we said bye bye <laughs> to that CPAP machine and one other less hassle I mean that was the same with me too I was using a CPAP machine uh, before my surgery and I think I was on it for like several months and I was just over it um, and I think right after I had my surgery my doctor said nope you don't need it anymore and I'm like awesome you know but other than that, I think that's about it that I can do on catching up with y'all. So let's get into the assessment after this brief little disclaimer. Bariatric Stories podcast is an informative perspective and account of Rinda's personal experiences and insight of weight loss surgery. Rinda is not a medical professional nor suggests having any medical knowledge or background. She is also not affiliated or a member of medical organizations, charters, or specialized practices that she may mention on this podcast, unless otherwise stated. Guest appearances are solely voluntary. Mentions and use of reference materials are non-paid and credited in the episode description. Bariatric Stories podcast is for lightly informative and entertainment purposes only. Seek counsel with your personal medical provider and or specialists. Thank you for listening to Bariatric Stories podcast. All right, we are ready to rock and roll. Um, as you can tell, there's a bit new elements going on in this podcast. So I am trying something a little new and a little different. And even more so during the assessment, I'm actually going to have my natural reader read the rest of it. So you don't have to listen to me the whole time. So I, I kind of like that. I'm pretty sure it's you'll kind of enjoy that too. <laughs> so I will have my natural reader read the assessment and I'll just put in my two cents here and there as we go along. So developmental history. Developmental history. The patient's developmental history can be a rich source of information. The evaluation might collect data about traumatic life events and any history of abuse or neglect as well as the adjustment to such circumstances. Mm -hmm. Additionally, this history can shed light on the client's attachment style. The attachment literature suggests that early, poor-quality attachment relationships directly, negatively, impact the developing neurophysiology of the developing brain. The orbitofrontal cortex affects the development of the neural pathways that modulate effect and arousal. This finding is particularly salient in individuals who use their food, eating, or weight in a self-soothing or self-regulatory way. Areas of note to be gathering during the interview should likely include Patient recollection about the stability of their childhood, any significant adverse events and long-term impact. Mm -hmm. Parental availability and stability as well as the quality of the bond with the identified patient. Degree and quality of attachments and social relationships outside the home. Any childhood history of weight-related ridicule and its related impact. Okay, pause. That is common for a lot of us, especially when it comes to uh, weight problems, um, controlling our weight and our eating habits, especially as such a 
young age because it it all depends on the environment and how we were raised around food. So, of course, any childhood history of weight-related ridicule and its related impact is somewhat, not somewhat, but I think for me, contributed a, a lot uh, with my self-esteem and it just didn't help me a lot. It didn't help me much at all. Okay, moving on. An understanding of the childhood role that food played, along with any attempts to use it as a source of love, comfort, companionship, control, or dissociation. Stop. Okay, it wasn't used as a source of love or comfort. I think it was um, more of a control or dissociation for me. Current life situation. The literature suggests that a chaotic lifestyle is negatively related to eating balanced meals and to following a regular program of physical activity 13, and that a chaotic home life is known anecdotally to interfere with post-operative adjustment. 14. The assessment needs to clarify the stability of the candidate's current living situation with respect to home, work and or school, immediate, extended family, and close friends. Mm -hmm. Stressors. The evaluation should address whether or not the candidate is suffering any potentially destabilizing life stressors, crises, or obvious chaos and disorganization in their life. The assessment needs to tap information about what significant life stressors have occurred in the past year or are ongoing. Stressors might include significant discord with children or with one's partner, divorce, death of a loved one, loss of a job, buying a home, moving, or starting college. Okay. 2020... 2021 was just a whirlwind of a crap load of stressors for everyone taking into account of you know acknowledging what's your trigger and life stressors which was everything that happened in the past two years now when you think about it so um that kind of stuff will be put into consideration when it comes to the assessment and we've been talking about it throughout the whole um past two episodes it's pretty much the same thing. What stressors the candidate expects in the upcoming year. How well the candidate is or is not likely to cope in light of the fact that the rapid, widespread post-surgery changes and demands they may experience will be additionally taxing for them. Yes. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Worried about um, what to expect in the upcoming year, whether you go forward with surgery or just everything all around with you know, with changes, with um, restrictions, wherever you are, wherever you are in re regarding to pan the pandemic. I'm sorry, I just can't talk right now. That's amazing. Um, but you you understand where I'm getting at. After the past two episodes, you, you know what is up. Utilization of social support. The data suggests that for medical patients, social support is positively related to faster recovery and negatively related to premature mortality. 15. Social support is also related to successful weight loss for people attending a general behavioral weight loss program. 16. Additionally, there has been some data to suggest that bariatric patients who regularly attend post-operative support groups are more successful in their weight loss and maintenance. And I totally agree with that, even though I myself did not continue to attend the meetings for the program. And now that I think about it, that would have helped me a lot more. I mean, family support was amazing. My friends around me were helpful. Some didn't understand it, and, and that was okay. 
but they respected it. But then also you just need to have that group of people that's been through it to give you that additional support. And going to the support meetings, uh, the support group meetings helps a lot and is very critical in that you don't go crazy. You don't slip back. If not, they help hold you accountable for your success in the weight loss and just not have to you know, go all crazy about it and then fall back and then feel really bad about it. And it's like a totally, for me, I feel like I put a lot of time, energy and money into the procedure and the whole process. And if I start to slip back a little and start to add a little bit more weight, oh, I get so upset, you know, and I know what works. I know what I should be doing and I'm not doing it. But then I, I have to hold myself accountable and get myself back on track. So if you're doing it by yourself with no support, it does get pretty rough. And you need that additional social support um, groups, something to help keep you on the right journey. The assessment should include information about the availability and quality of the patient's social support. Yes. A number of areas may be assessed, including willingness to access support both immediately after and during the initial and long-term post-operative phase. Questions regarding childcare and assistance with daily living are appropriate. Questions regarding family members, friends, and coworkers who may have a difficult time adjusting to the dramatic post-surgery adjustments and lifestyle change and may function as stumbling blocks or potential saboteurs may reveal valuable information regarding the client's current support system. Coworkers, they were good. They were very helpful. They, they'll be playful when we have potlucks and gatherings and everyone's bringing in everything that makes and smells so amazing, but you know, it's just going to turn your insides upside down if you did have it knowing your new system how your body is now and they don't fully understand it um they'll probably have some idea if you explain it to them but at the same time they don't really understand it because they're not going through it as you are i had two co-workers at the time that were watching me and they were obese too. So they were thinking about having the procedure at the same time, which I was the first one that went ahead and did it. So they were supportive in a sense that they were interested and they were looking into it and they wanted to see how I was doing. Um, I think a year or so after I did my surgery, a coworker went and then after she did hers, like another year or so after her surgery and her recovery, the, the second person went and did hers and they both had different procedures. Um, I had the RNY. Uh, number two had her RNY, and number three had the sleeve. Hers was a little rocky. Her experience was a little rocky, and I will try to um, catch up in contact with her uh, down the road. Maybe we can have a little chat. Okay, continue. Motivation and expectation. Patient motivation and reasons for pursuing surgery are critical variables to assess. The evaluation should query what is motivating the candidate to pursue a bariatric surgical procedure at this time. Most patients will state the obvious medical benefits. It is also important to have them discuss their more private motivations, if any, for having weight loss surgery. Yes, weight loss surgery should be your last resort. I cannot stress that enough. Um, don't do it because you just feel like you need to do it and haven't tried any other way. 
Um, but for most of us that are looking into bariatric surgery, we have been trying a lot of things. Um, you know, weight loss programs, um, fad diets, gym memberships, nutritionists, um, any some type of uh, weight loss program that was um, suggested by your doctor, your PCP, and you've done as much as you can to, to a point that you're just tired to even try another one, you know, and you know your body and you know you. This should be a tool. It is not a quick fix. A lot of people who had the surgery will tell you that it is not a quick fix. It's not easy. And you it's most of all of it not being easy is that you just permanently rearranged your insides and it's not like you can go back on it. So you're stuck and you have to move forward and discover this new way of how your body is going to react to the way you eat from now on. That is where you just have no choice, but you have to live with it and roll with it. At least before surgery, you have the choice. You know, I'm going to eat this. I'm going to put on weight. I'll, I'll try to burn it off. No, after the surgery, I'm going to eat this. I will be deathly sick. And there's no way round about it. So um, make sure that what the reasons why you want to have the surgery is very concrete. What expectations does the patient have concerning psychosocial, emotional, and lifestyle challenges and adjustments post-surgery, both short and long-term? Are they committed to actively and permanently following post-surgical guidelines for health and success? Mm-hmm. Patients may have unrealistic expectations concerning the effect of weight loss on their physical condition as well as on their social and professional lives. They may believe that everything in their life would be great if only they'd lose weight. Unrealistic expectations may lead to the perception of failure when those expectations cannot be met. Mm -hmm. This failure may then become linked to throwing in the towel and to giving in to old habits and unhealthy choices. And old habits do try to seek back in. I would say after the third year, the third or fourth year, the old habits try to creep back into your life. You know, if your vice was drive through coffee every single day, maybe twice a day, and it's just, you know, that's just straight up naughty too. But if that was your vice, and then when you have the surgery, you totally had cut back on that and just changed the way, maybe not drink coffee at all. And then after a couple of years, it's like, oh, maybe I have a little bit of coffee or just a half taste of it. Next thing you know, you're like, you know, you're drinking coffee at home, but then at least you have control of the sugar and the caffeine. And then afterwards, you know, two years later, you're driving down the road and you're like, oh, I wonder, you know, and then you drive through and then you go and get a tall coffee. That naughty one that just puts you out a few years before your surgery. And it tastes amazing. It's a little sweet. Starting to feel a little bit of maybe dumping, maybe not. A little nervous about that first couple of sips. But it was also amazing. And oh, melt. Okay. Wait for it. Not so bad. 
okay, maybe I'll just have this tall today. And then drink a lot of water and be good for a couple of days. And it was like, oh, well, maybe a week or so later, it that tall did not bother me at all the last time. Let's try and get it again. Okay, I'll just make it a treat once a week. Mm, okay, not so bad. Maybe once every other day. You see what I mean? It's like you try to test your body to see what happens. And it's, it's the old habits. Next thing you know, you're getting, uh, I don't know, grandes and ventis. <laughs> and then when the holidays come around, all those lovely flavors that you don't get year round, you try it with a tall. You know what I mean? That kind of stuff happens to everybody. And it does happen to me. It's me and my sweet drive to coffees. So I am guilty on that. But I do, I am at a point where I'm only going to do that like a, a Sunday thing or a one day thing. I, I cannot get carried away. If I want coffee, I'll make it at home with very less sugar in it. There are protein coffees out there. It is very low sugar, if any. And there is protein in the coffee. Of course, you're going to drink it cold, but you can heat it up. I was doing that in the first two years. I was drinking the protein coffee, which had less or no sugar in it at all. That helped me. Um, if you need to know more or you want to know where I got it and what I was drinking, you can just send me a message. All right, let's hit the summary. In sum, the pre-surgical assessment addresses whether the candidate is adequately prepared from a psychosocial perspective to go forward with bariatric surgery and whether there is evidence of any barriers that may interfere with patient safety and with adjustment to the surgical procedure. Some clinicians may elect to incorporate some level of intervention into the assessment process. Intervention may include education about the surgery and the requirements of success, skill building, reframing faulty cognitions, or psychoeducation. And that pretty much wraps it up. Thank you to my natural reader to be doing most of the talking in this episode. If you have been following along with the copy of the assessment, there is a lot more after the summary that you can read and go through and probably try one of the tests too. And just have an idea of what to expect when you do meet with the psychiatrist. Remember, the psychiatrist is just one of the few people that's in the team that you're going to be working with along with this journey. And that's just one element of it, that one part of the whole program that I went through. I don't know how the program is like now, but I'm pretty sure it's similar. This is going to wrap up this episode and the series. I do have another episode coming up with an interview actually it's not really an interview i just made a new friend <laughs> i just knew i made a new friend it's a, a a listener and he had just recently had this procedure like this year and he wants to share his story his experience was pretty rocky which would scare anyone and it it scared me when we were talking story about doing the episode so when we start talking about it and you're going to hear it all from um brandon his name is brandon from montana and he will be coming up in the next episode after this 
Thank you so much for your continued support and listening to the podcast. I'll see you on the next episode. Take care and be blessed. Thank you for listening to Bariatric Stories Podcast. All questions and inquiries can be communicated to us on Facebook at Bariatric Stories and Instagram at Bariatric Stories. If you would like to be a guest and share your story, send us a DM on Facebook and or Instagram. Additional links to our blog and other streaming platforms that Bariatric Stories is available can be accessed via Linktree link in the podcast's description. Bariatric Stories podcast is for lightly informative and entertainment purposes only. Seek counsel with your personal medical provider and or specialists. Thank you for listening to Bariatric Stories podcast.